Hey, welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers podcast. If you agree with me when I say that diamonds are a girl's best friend, you're going to want to hang on every word of my next guest. Well, his name is Scott Bohall. And he is a longtime friend of mine. He is also an artist and a jeweler. And he owns Treasures Jewelry Store, which we will uh, hook you up with all the details on that. But I have been talking to Scott long before I ever started this podcast about being a guest on my podcast. He... He just has always rooted for me. We've had a connection. He is definitely an artist. Even when I didn't know he was an artist, I sensed he was an artist because this this dude's got swag. I mean, he has a style that's all his own and he just stands out. His presence kind of enters a room, as they say, before he actually does. Uh, and as I was mentioning, he has always been a cheerleader of mine, Um I mean, like, like the most sincere, encouraging words that I get that come out of the blue from him. And I have been so appreciative of that. But back when I was still approaching the end of the diving board and telling myself I wanted to jump into a podcast world, I set up so many expectations that Scott would be at the top of that list of guests that I would have in. And we have had a handful of, uh, previous date set but now is the time and you are going to love him he has some great information I mean this guy just knows his stuff and then to tell you that he is an artist really doesn't quite capture that when it comes to jewelry I don't know how to say it any other way other than he is just genuinely unique and he um he sees things when you describe something to him. So he's really great at explaining that. But just in terms of understanding stones and he, he, he gravitates towards exceptional. And I love that about him. I love that about anyone. It's very encouraging to me and inspiring, but you are going to dig the time with him and he's going to pass along some, uh, gems of information, but I'm bum. I'll be here a week, folks. Here's Scott Bohall. Okay, Mr. Scott. Hello. You have the little red blinking button that I'm always so terrified isn't on the other end. I don't see a red blinking button. Do you see anything that says recording? Oh, yes, I do. Up in the top left corner. Okay. I got it. You just about made me wet myself. Yeah, I, I got always, it. <laughs> I always ask like an old granny, no offense to any grannies, um, because I'm sure there's grannies out there that are way more technologically savvy than myself. But I always ask everyone if that's blinking because I have like absent blinker syndrome, I guess. Well, my, my kids will be so happy because this is my first Zoom call. I've finally made it to one, one, more, one more notch in my technology belt. You are so. so hip. You and me both, brother. So, so, Scott. I, um, uh... I will have shared when you listen to this, you will hear an introduction that leads into our conversation that gives everybody a little bit of a lowdown of who you are. But I have loved you as a friend from day one, which if I were to add up how long it is, I've actually known you, it would declare a range of our age. So I'm not going to do that. 
Okay, I agree. Okay. It's more than 10 years and less than 100. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, what the heck. I'll just say, I've known you pushing 30 years. 30 if years, you, I think, yeah. You, other than this little distinguished peppering in your beard, you really <laughs> have not changed. And Give, you know giving what? away my age a little bit. Yeah. Well, I ha- well, I have some peppering up here, so in my in my root section. But um, you, I know your. I have known your family. We met through um, church, and I know your brother. And but I have um, I have always been drawn to you. First of all, you are such an artist. You have an artistic flair that goes before you. I. I dig your style and the way you carry yourself, but you are this artist with, um, uh, as a, as a jeweler and a creator, what would your official title be? Like, what would you say that you are other than a business owner? Uh, it's, it's generically jeweler is the thing, but, okay. um, like people don't really grasp exactly what that is. So jewelry store owner slash jewelry designer slash travel around the world buying gems. So my staff can make jewelry. I mean, it's, it's a whole, you know, bag of tricks, but uh, it's working. It's, it's, and it has been working for you. Now yes. your, um, your jewelry store, your business is called treasures or is yes. it specifically treasures for you? No, it's, that's my website, but tre Treasures Jewelers or Treasures Custom Jewelers, both names are legal. So so just saying jeweler, I get shivers all over because I do know what that means. And we know that, um, you know, it's Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. I won't break into song, though I could. Um, but <laughs> I, um, what got you into this line of work? What was your pull? I mean, I, I, I know, I mean, I know the artist that you are because I've seen your stuff and I also know there's accolades that follow you. So in a little while you will probably begrudgingly give me some of those accolades, but what actually led you into this line of work, this line of work that brings many people joy. I fell into it quite accidentally, maybe push from my guardian angel or God or something, but I really just tripped into it. Um, I was in college and needing a little bit of money like most college kids do. And most of my friends were doing things that I could not stand like bagging groceries or something and, and, you know, bar bartending or whatever. I just, I couldn't find anything I wanted to do, but I needed some money. And, um, I was on the basketball team and the track team in college and stuff. And so I had, you know, a little bit of uh, uh, self-imposed swagger, I guess, you know, thinking that I was, was somebody, but really hadn't really done anything with my life, you know? And uh, so I was trying to date girls, trying to one up my friends. They would go to a, like a Safeway and get a carnation for 39 cents. You know, remember those ugly green and blue carnations that everybody, yeah. Mm -hmm. So my teammates would do that, trying to impress a girl and, you know, go on a date and give her this 39 cent carnation. So I just tried to up my game a little bit. And I stopped in this little tiny jewelry store in this college town that I was living in. And, and I just tried to find something, everything for five or $10, because that's about my budget, you know. And he explained to me why this little stone was $5 and this little stone was $500. And I was kind of intrigued. And I liked rocks as a kid. So I kind of 
was kind of intrigued with the whole, why are these shiny rocks so expensive sometimes? And so I gave some girls some, probably some pretty ugly jewelry and, and that, did, that part didn't work out, but the, the interest was there enough that I asked him for a job. And, no way. Yeah. And uh, I, I had to sell him cause I needed a couple of bucks for, you know, just, you know, burrito money at night or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, so he, he let me work for him. I talked him into hiring me and it was only hundred percent commission, no pay because <laughs> he didn't think I could do it. And I was, <laughs> I was sure I could do it. Just tell me how to do it. So uh, some days it was, you know, South Dakota winters. So some days the mailman was the only person that walked in the door <laughs> and one day I got to the mailman to talk to me and I got him to buy something for his wife. And, and the guy said, well, he goes, the mailman's been coming here for years and he's never even asked me about jewelry. And I said, well, you never asked him. So I asked him and he bought something. And so I made, Dang. I think, I think I made $30 commission, I think, if I remember right. But that was a big deal when you have zero money to buy gas and food. So I, I was like, hey, this is selling jewelry thing's all right, you know. And so in the downtime, I read all of the guy's gemology books and I asked him questions and just made him insane with trying to learn everything I could learn. My parents were both school teachers, so I think there was that whole learn something gene in there, although I avoided it a lot of my years. But um, uh, just all of a sudden it clicked and I thought I kind of like this jewelry stuff. And so when I moved to Arizona, I – had very little skill other than working in a jewelry store for about a year and a half. And so I applied at a jewelry store and they hired me and I just kept scraping and clawing my way to being a little bit better and managing corporate stores. And when I met my wife, she said, why are you making all this money for corporations? Why don't you do it on your own? So we started with a 10 by 10 booth. When I first met you, we had a 10 by 10 booth in an indoor flea market. Seriously. 27th Avenue in Camelback, the indoor swap mart. Totally know it. Uh-huh. Yeah. We we had uh, we we needed like we'd have one sapphire ring and next to it an eight by ten picture of a sapphire because it took up space. <laughs> so, How clever is that? We had very little inventory and we uh, we just started like we'd go to people's houses and design things for them on their kitchen table at eight o'clock at night and whatever it took to pay the rent. And my, my wife was a, a single mom that, that had two kids when I met her. And so, you know, you know, Jessica now is, you know, not very big physically, but you know, she's 34 now. I got her when she was three. So it just, you know, it was like, well, my competitive side kicked in from athletics and I'm like, I got to be better than the guy down the street. And how can I get better? How can I learn more? Or how can I buy something cheaper than the next guy? Everything is like this trying to be competitive. So, so um, did you know that you had this um, artistic thread running in you, this vein in you? Because you really are quite... Mm -hmm brilliant and i i, I know well, you've been acknowledged in arizona for your design and and I'll, i want to know a little bit about that but talk about because you were here you were an athlete right you know yes. so you had and and um and that it sort of engulfed a significant part of you 
did you always kind of have a thing that you suspected was in you that lent itself creatively or did it take stumbling upon jewelry to bring that out? I think it, it was a backwards way of going about it is that I just wanted to be better. And so to sell something, you need to, you know, somehow learn more about the product or learn how to understand people and then to design something. Um, you know, I'm sure I designed some terrible things in the first, you know, couple of years that I was trying to be a designer. And then I, I looked at who was winning awards and why, why does that win awards and why do people like X, Y, Z type of design? Why, why is that interest somebody? Cause you know, your style is not everybody's style, you know? And so I had to learn what people like and why they like it. And uh, we, we entered our first jewelry competition in 1994. Okay. And the judges were brutal to us. And I said, well, I think my idea was good. And one of my employees that was executing some of the actual details was not good enough because almost everything that the judges really, really ripped on, I mean, embarrassingly ripped on some of the things were all execution problems. Okay. And so I went back and I had to fire who was doing some work for me and hire somebody better. And much like restaurants have to with chefs sometimes. Sure. And uh, that was the key. It was that the ideas were, I was on the right track with the ideas and, and have gotten better since then. But um, that was learning just, okay, take criticism. When somebody gives you criticism, accept it and say, it's real. Now, what do we do about it? Wow. So, what a good fact, we, lesson too. Just about maybe a year ago, right? But oh, a year and a half ago, right before COVID, last Christmas, I think, um, somebody came in and we had made them a ring 25 years ago. And I was embarrassed about the quality of some of the workmanship. And she was fine with it. But we took it apart and remade it for her because I, I was embarrassed that that was floating around out there. So we made her a brand new ring for free just because I, I couldn't stand that somehow somebody was looking at that thinking, really? Treasures made that? You know? Oh, God. So. Well, tell us a little bit about what you have in the ways you have been acknowledged for your design. So you've, en you've entered a handful of competitions. I know that. Yeah, our first our first real big award was an international award. It was a, a jewelry design contest in Australia, and a friend of mine came through and just said, "You should enter some pieces in the competition." And in Australia, I'm like, "I I don't have any interest in that, and I'm not going to mail my stuff over there." And she said, "Well, I'm one of the judges. I'm going over there. I'll take the pieces." And she said, "It's a hundred dollars per item to enter." And I was like, "Oh, okay, that's it. You just needed more entries is what you needed. You weren't." you know, telling me how great my stuff was. She goes, no, no, I really think your stuff is great. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I, I just like, okay, you need the $100. So I, I entered three pieces and one of our pieces won the best in show over there. Seriously. And, and I was like, okay, that seemed easy, you know, and lucky or whatever, just the right thing that year, the right judges liked the, the piece. But that put us on the map a little bit. And I'm like, well, that was kind of fun. Let's go try to win some more trophies. And so we kind of, you know, took about a, a year to really uh, nail down the Arizona contest. Uh, and now we've won more awards than any jeweler in Arizona as far as state, national, and international. We've won 33 now. 
Get out of town. Yeah, so I think the closest competitor is at like 16. So, um, oh, God, so. I didn't know that. Boy, yeah, so. oh my goodness. But, but collecting trophies doesn't pay the rent. It just yeah. is, is just one area that you can set yourself apart from somebody, you know, and Doesn't say my give, So like, does it, do things like that matter to your clients though? Do you think, I mean, do they does um, that give them assurance? Yes. It gives, it gives credibility. Um, especially when like we're the only jeweler in the entire West Valley that has won and won any awards. Most of the, most of the guys are Scottsdale or downtown jewelers or, you know, Chandler. There's a couple, you know, it's a couple of really good jewelers around the state. Um, but the West Valley is a little short on, you know, award winning stuff, you know? Um, so that helps to have that credibility. Um, and it helps when people are Google searching and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But most of my customers, they either like it or they don't, they really don't care that you want an award couple of years ago they want to know is that is that thing in the case is that good for them or is the design that you're creating good for them okay. but the, the the backup credibility helps so what do you think that the um i don't want to say average customer what do you think they need to hear about a piece of jewelry that then makes them want to buy it from you um or is that not a good question? What what would mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it in a roundabout way. Okay. Um, that half of my customers come because of price, and that's just the reality. If you can be cheaper than Costco or cheaper than the mall or whatever, what cheaper than the guy they found in another state, that's all they want to know. Can you beat the price? And that's okay, but price isn't always indicative of all the other factors, you know, and some people just don't care about the other factors. They what just are the other factors? Price. Educate us. Well, um, quality of gems is important. Um, quality of workmanship is important. Mm -hmm. And those things affect price, but the price only customers don't think that matters. So it's, it's like giving them the price and throwing in the workmanship and quality as a bonus prize that they don't understand that they're getting. Got it. And that's okay. That because they're only going to be here because of price. So you have to meet the price and beat the price and that's fine. That, that's the only way they're going to come. I'll accept them as a customer because of that. And they end up with nicer jewelry than they would have if they went to the mall and pointed at something. Right. So, um, so that's part of it. My customers that understand quality and workmanship are also the ones that tend to want to support a local artist or a locally owned business. So that's part of their agenda is they, they don't want to give it to a corporation or give it to a stranger. Um, they like the connection that maybe their neighbor is a friend of mine or I coached their kid in Little League or you know some connection that they have they want to be supportive and they don't want uh, to be price gouged, but they're willing to support you and not go to 15 places and check prices. Right. So they're, they're more after the, the, the human part of it and, and love the quality and they hope the price is good. That's kind of their flip. Right. So it's, it's almost split 50, 50, the type of customers that we have.
Interesting. Um, what is the big seller? Well, diamonds always sell because engagements and, and weddings and, and anniversaries and things are, are, are mostly include diamonds. But, you know, you've been in my store, you know, it's filled with color, you know. It is. So Tell my passion is, in there. yeah, my passion is color. I have a, I drive a purple car, you know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. you, you love purple. And you know who else loves purple? My husband. So we That's have awesome. that connection See? too. All right. So, see, I knew I liked him. Yeah. So, yeah, um, uh, color is to me is, is intriguing. No different than if you see, you know, if, if you like roses, then you notice a rose that's a completely different shade of color than you're used to seeing. And that is interesting if you're a rose person, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So my, my customers that like sapphires, love coming in to see if I have a crazy color of sapphire that they don't own yet or have not seen yet. And, and that's also what I'm searching for when I'm overseas. Got it. And so I, I enjoy having those unusual colors and, and, you know, maybe it's a stone that's from a new location or maybe it's an old location. They just happen to find, you know, a couple of crazy colors and I, I want them. So um, we really need to have people come into your store. I mean, if they're in the market for a piece of jewelry, of course, but I mean, just to come in and familiarize themselves with your place, because it the stuff that you have in your cases is really beautiful. And you're absolutely right. The color is what you notice when you come in. Um, before we go there, I want to, let's tell people where you're located just so that, and then we'll all repeat it at the end and I'll put it in my notes as well. Where is your store, hon? We're at 67th Avenue and the 101 Arrowhead area is for people that are familiar with the area. Um, we're in the Safeway Shopping Center. It's really easy to find right yeah. next to a subway. Everybody knows where a subway is, you know. Right. So. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, and your hours of, of operation, you're open? Monday through Friday, 10 to 530. And then Saturday, we close at four. It's closed okay. on Sundays. Okay. Um, so you've mentioned a handful of times and it absolutely makes sense, but tell us about your travels because that is critical to your, to your line of work. Yeah. I, I, it's a weird thing. Cause when I started working for this little tiny store in South Dakota, he told me about visiting Thailand and I just, I thought that was so interesting cause I didn't know anybody that had been to Thailand other than Vietnam war vets. And I just thought someday I'm going to go there. You know, that was just a bucket list thing. So I finally, you know, scraped together a little bit of money one time and just went. And I'm like, I had no, no experience knowing where to go. I just like, well, I'm going to go. That's it. I bought a ticket and went. And uh, I, I walked around and knocked on doors. And, you know, hi, I'm, you know, I'm a jeweler from Glendale, Arizona. And, Nice to meet you. I don't speak Thai. <laughs> Fortunately, some of them spoke a little English and I made some great contacts and over the years have developed more. But I just started just like, hey, where can I buy some sapphires? Where can I where can I find some interesting gems? And, you know, and now I've been there, I don't know, 18, 19 times, something like that. And uh, Seriously. I, I love Thailand. I absolutely love the people and the, the food and of course the gem buying is the reason I'm there, but I get my crazy suits that you've seen a few of sometimes, but I get my suits made there and I, I love it. But 
COVID has changed that, so no travel there this past year. Um, do you foresee that altering how you travel? I mean, I know we can't look into the future, but I mean, is that is that anything that concerns you? It doesn't concern me. I got COVID in January. I plan to get vaccinated when my number comes up here in a month or so. And when they open up their part, I'm on a plane. I'm going. Good. Um, okay. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with that when I when I finally get the chance. But it has changed things dramatically. They have an international gem show there that attracts people from every country in the world. And they're talking about maybe that show is going to be 20% of what it used to be. Seriously. So there's just a people that have decided not to do business that way anymore. So my thought is I'm always run against the grain that if most of my peers in the world are saying I'm not going to go there, then I'm going there. Okay. Because maybe I'll find better deals that way. Hey, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, so for folks that are not schooled, and I would generally say myself um, as well, I mean, I have a little bit of knowledge because I know you and, and you've shared, but I think I've forgotten a few things. What are some basic rules of thumb that you would tell someone that is searching for um, a piece of jewelry coming in let's let's be more general and then we might even get more specific say into diamonds or some other stones that that are or items that might be popular i know it is there a season that is a higher season than another for jewelry buying i know mother's day is coming up is that ever a time or or is it just mother's day is a, a little bump in the road okay but it's it's you know, we might do 10% more business or something. It's not okay. a big deal. Uh, Christmas is huge. Um, but uh, two years ago, anniversary spending per household topped Christmas spending. Really? So we're, we're hoping that maybe that's a trend that marriages are going to last longer, maybe. You know, I don't That'd know. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so. And do you think that, that, um, the, that, not to dwell on it because I know we're so saturated with COVID rightly so, but um, do you think that being in this season of restriction in many ways will maybe as it lifts pay off for you and your line of work and your business? We're seeing some of that. There, there, there are people that, um, you know, when the economy shrunk in 2006 or when the COVID hit in a year ago, they just, kind of shrink up and don't go to their pizza place and they don't buy jewelry and they don't, you know, do anything. And, and, and that's a normal human reaction. Um, and then the other thing is the, I want it where they, they wanted a cruise and they wanted some new outfits to go on the cruise and that didn't happen. So, well, how about some jewelry, <laughs> you know? So right. we've, we've seen it tumble into us a little bit that way with people that didn't spend their money on the cruise, you know? Right. I can totally see that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, um, but getting back to how, how would you educate someone? Let's just go ahead and say they're coming in to look for, they want to purchase a diamond ring, but we can spread out from here. What are some things, some rules of thumb that you would guide them through, whether you were their jeweler or not? Well, I, and I do a lot of this. I was the education director for our state jeweler association. 
like I've told you, my, my parents were both school teachers. So I have a little bit of that, you know, uh, slammed into my head, but um, I, I want them to make a good decision. And if they choose not to spend their money with me, at least somewhere they've made a better decision than if I didn't give them 10 minutes of talk about why you should focus on certain parts of the equation to, to understand a little bit about when jewelers throw quality num, you know, it's a GVS. Well, what does that mean? You know, right. and, and does it mean you have to have that, you know, and, right. you know, and, and so I, I think an educated customer, even if it's 10 minutes of ed- education can cut down at least 50% of the chance of them getting burned somewhere. Um, right now there's a challenge with the enforcement of fraud is almost zero. So fraud, uh, well, when people are selling things on the internet, mostly is the problem. Okay. Um, but, but jewelry stores could be fraudulent as well. But if somebody's doing something that's fraud, there is nobody checking and prosecuting. Okay. So okay. it's, it's, it's uh, grown, ex- fraud has grown exponentially in the last few years. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's sad because probably the person that gets burned is not the person that can afford to get burned. Got it. Yeah. You know, if, War- if Warren Buffett buys something fake, oh, well, you know, it doesn't right. affect him a, a bit. Right. Right. But when a struggling school teacher or something puts their hard-earned money down on something that's $1,000 and it turns out to be not worth that, that hurts them financially and it also hurts our industry because then they start telling people jewelry well, I got ripped off buying jewelry. Right. You know, so right. um, I, I enjoy just 10 minutes of let, let me show you what you need to know about a diamond, you know, well, give us some of that. Well, uh, first, first I, I tell them, you know, number one, buy the, buy the prettiest diamond you can afford, you know, stop, stop worrying about, your first part is what quality is or what price it is. Just first part is, is it beautiful? Like, you know, right. and, and th- that I think is a critical thing that people forget. Um, and then there's a, there's a chart that has all the color and the clarity and the, you know, cutting proportions, all that stuff. And I think jewelers sort of act, you know, kind of like we know all this, this jargon and this lingo and we use it for you, but we don't explain it to you. And it's it's done on third grade terms. Once I explain it to people, they're like, "Well, that wasn't that wasn't hard. Why didn't I know this before?" You know. Exactly. And 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 once you explain it, then you can decide if it's worth going up a couple of quality grades or not. And then I show them an example of one on this quality and one on this quality, and then say, "If that's worth another thousand dollars to you, great. If it's not, then don't spend it. But at least you understand what you're paying for." And, and I, I find most customers are super happy with that information. For sure. Absolutely. And does that, um, does that usually make a difference in their choice? Yes. Almost always. Okay. Almost always it changes what their preconceived thought was about why they wanted a certain quality or not quality or you know, you know, uh, like I had one just the other day that said, you know, I, I want one where it's got the biggest spread on top. So it looks big, but it's, it can be super shallow and that's fine with me. And I like, except that you're now taking a diamond that if the correct proportions gave you 90 ish percent of light return, now you're asking me to find you a stone that has 30% light return. Why would you 
why would you want a stone that doesn't sparkle? You know, and they're like, well, I didn't know that. Well, yes, because you, you created something in your head, not knowing anything about our industry. And, you know, to me, it's the same as saying, you know, I'd like the chef to replace the salt in the recipe and put sugar in. And I expect <laughs> it to taste the same, you know, it's like, that's you, a great you, metaphor. Yeah. If, if you don't know, then you, you make poor decisions. You right. Know? Um, right. And I have customers that tell me they want a cubic zirconia. It's a $10 stone. Okay. I have no problem with that. If that's what you want, I'll order it for you. I have no problem with that. But if you want a diamond or a sapphire or whatever, I'd love to find out what it is people are actually wanting out of that experience. And then let's find you the best stone that fits that. So, so, so apparently size matters. I mean, size, size size always matters. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But, but you know, there's, you know, we have, uh, one one friend who who bought a stone on a cruise ship one time and if you stand 10 feet away yes you can see it that it is on her finger and it does look like a diamond and the closer you get from 10 feet the worse it gets (laughs) okay looks like somebody hit it with a sledgehammer oh and so it's a it's, it's like that guy that drives that Cadillac that has no paint job and 16 dents on it, but yes, it is a Cadillac, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I know you are a busy man. I want to give you a proper sending off, but what would you um, say sets you apart and your store apart so that we can encourage some folks? that likely are in that category ready to treat themselves. What can we say about you and your business so that, I think you've said plenty, but I mean, what would you end with? I think very few stores make their own things. Like, you know, going into a a bakery where they just put frozen stuff and put it in an oven is different than people that make things from scratch. And about two thirds of our inventory is something that we make. So I think people feel that when they come in and they're like, oh, this doesn't look like when I was in the mall yesterday, you know, and I think that's a good experience for people to find something different. Nobody wants to go to the prom and see the same dress on everybody. Right. So I think the unique things are part of it. Um, If they care to delve into the, the quality and find out why that stone is maybe a little bit better than the average gem in the, in the market, that's, that enhances that experience. And and then when most people are not sure about us and they go shopping and compare, almost always they come back and they said, wow, your prices are definitely lower than where I just went to. And so, you know, we, we hope that people continue to support our small business and we continue to support the community. So. Well, and I hope they do too. And I can't say enough about you guys. I can't say enough about your customer service and just the quality of everything. Again, it's Treasures. It's on 67th Ave in the 101. And you are there Monday through Friday, 10 to 5.30? Correct. Saturday, close at 4? 10 to 4, yeah. 10 to 4. And Sundays are closed, but I sure hope we can send people over. I will put information in my notes as I send everything off. But my friend, I thank you for being, and I'm going to be corny here, a sparkling gem in my life. You knew I wasn't going to 
uh, get out of this without some little nod to my cornfield. But I thank you for always being a friend that um, roots for me and I root for you too. And I will definitely know when this, let you know that this will be up so that you and your people can listen. Is that a deal? That's a deal. And I thank you very much. You know, I love you. And you know that Eunice hooked me 30 years ago. So and my listeners know about Eunice, so I thank you. Isn't she? She's a. She's a. Actually, we can say this. I think I can say it. She's a one of a kind, and she's a gem. So yes, we need. To, I know you speak in schools. We need those schools to get back open safely um, when it's time, so you can get back in and spend time with students. And Eunice can too. But I love you, my dear, and I will holler at you. Don't go away. I'm going to say goodbye to you after I end recording, so we can have a nice goodbye. Okay, hold on, just one okay. second. We will definitely be having Scott back on the Terry Summers podcast. He is someone you can trust. Just let me say that. If you are in the market for a piece of jewelry, uh, I know there are many great jewelers out there. I, I know there are. I know others in other um, parts of Arizona, but I'm just going to say um I can I can say with everything that I know that you can trust him and his uh, willingness to give information and to educate you, as you can tell by his uh, passion for communicating that that he shared about with his um, about sharing with his customers. It's it's just there. So um, he's the real deal. He is uh, warm, a lot of fun. You'll love You'll love hanging out with him in the time that you might be shopping for a piece. And everyone that he has around him are all cut from the same cloth. He just um, has a great team over there. So I am so glad I got to have him on this podcast and that you got to hear from him. Head on over to Treasures on 67th and the 101. When you head north on 67th, it'll be on the east side of 67th in the Safeway parking lot. You can't miss it. Um, and you will absolutely enjoy your experience and look around, look around. Even if you go in for something, uh, uh, that you have in mind, still look around because he has beautiful things and what a beautiful way to start this week off, uh, having time spent with him. I know you will dig him. (laughs) 